Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So, I'd like to begin today's sermon with a description of Calvin Ball. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Calvin Ball before. No one? Literally no one? Oh my goodness. Well, you are in for a treat. This is from the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes. Raise your hand if you're familiar with this. Okay, so uh, let's check it out. All right. So Hobbes says, the center snaps the ball to the quarterback. No, he doesn't. He doesn't? No, he's secretly the quarterback for the other team. He keeps the ball. A traitor. Calvin breaks for the goal. Wee! He's at the 30, the 20, the 10. Nobody can catch him. Nobody wants to. You're running toward your own goal. Huh? When I learned you were a spy, I switched goals. This is your goal, and mine is hidden. Hidden? Ha! You'll never find it in a million years. I don't need to find it. As a traitor to your team, crossing my goal counts as crossing your goal. Aha! You might think that. In fact, I know so. But the place I hid my goal is right on top of your goal, so the points will go to me. But the fact is, I'm really a double agent. I'm on your team after all, which means you'll lose points if I cross your goal. Ha ha! But I'm a traitor too, so I'm really on your team. I want you to cross my goal. The points will go to your team, which is really my team. Are you following along? That would be true if I were a football player. You mean... That's right. I'm actually a badminton player disguised as a foot, double agent football player. And I'm secretly a volleyball cro- uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, croquet polo player. Sooner or later, all our games turn into Calvin Ball. No cheating. <clears throat> as you may have gathered in Calvin Ball, well, what is the basic idea of, of the game of Calvin Ball? Does anyone know? Um, it's, it's that there are no rules. Or, or rather, the, the thing about Calvin Ball is you make up the rules as you go. That's the only rule of Calvin Ball. And so when Calvin and Hobbes play a game, usually it devolves into a version where Calvin has become a sort of whimsical dictator of a new rule. So he, whatever he says, that's, you know, what, what is established. And this is because Calvin has the authority to change them or make up new ones as the game continues. So why am I bringing this up, you might ask? Because some people think that this is Yeshua's relationship to the law or the Torah, that because he has authority over the law, that he could and perhaps did just change it or not follow it, or make up his own version. And some people think he did away with the law altogether. Is our Messiah, like Calvin in this comic strip that we read, applying and disregarding the Torah all willy-nilly? 
Or is Yeshua's relationship to the Torah more complex than that? By the way, you will notice that I'm using Torah interchangeably with other words. I'm going to say law sometimes. Sometimes I might say commandments or instruction or Torah, but I'm, I'm referencing the same idea. So just so we're on the same page. Okay? Is that kosher? Yes, I see nods, and I'm going to keep going. In order to examine this relationship, we first have to understand what the law is from a biblical standpoint. Is it just, I don't know, a bunch of rules that Israel has to follow? Is it just a handbook from on high that if you don't do it right, you get zapped? Is that what it is? Part of the problem with understanding the Torah is that we must first find Uh, we must first understand something about the character of God, and then we can understand the purpose of the Torah. When I taught uh, elementary school, uh, you would have what what they call safety patrol. Raise your hand if you were ever on the safety patrol or you know what that is. Okay, right. So, Uh, Safety Patrol, for those who don't know, these are fifth graders, which is the eldest in the grade in elementary school, and they were asked to be, it's kind of like a hall monitor slash uh, safety person, so when the younger kids got off the bus to come inside, they would be standing there, and this is typically what they look like. I found this just online, so this is, these are Safety Patrol. You get the idea? You see they have a a nice sash there, and uh, these are older kids, and you can picture them, you know, kind of taking care of the younger kids, okay? Um, And so at the school where I taught, they also had a a special sash, and um, but there was a problem, because the right amount of authority was seldom met with these on the Safety Patrol. What do I mean? Well, either they would exercise not enough authority, or they would exercise too much authority over the rules. So it was a problem. I think for some of them, perhaps, you know, they had that sash that kind of made the power go to their heads a little bit. I don't know. Something about that golden sash just makes people uh, crazy with power. So anyways, um, you would have some, um, as I said, that would just kind of lean up against the wall, right? as if that was their job, to hold up the wall. And they did that very well. And, uh, you know, younger students would run by, and uh, they wouldn't really say anything, right? These are kind of like the wallflowers. And, of course, uh, we're not supposed to run uh, when there's giant buses nearby, right? It's not safe. But some of them didn't really feel comfortable exercising their authority, right? And then, then you have the other extreme. There were some that were, I think, overzealous, with their authority. So there was another rule that said you were not supposed to wear a hat in the building, okay? And so uh, during the winter, it was kind of like some sort of uh, sports chant almost, right? You'd see like a little kindergartner, right, with a hat. And as soon as their little tiny feet crossed the threshold of the warm school, you would hear a cacophony of Take off your hat, take off your hat, take off your hat, right? Okay, okay. One time, a safety patroller even said to me, send your wine, take off your hat. You know, they and I think they were only half joking, okay? This is authority gone awry. So my question is, is God like this? Does God bellow the equivalent of take off your hat at Israel, at us, like an overzealous Safety patroller. 
Hmm. Well, Scripture puts it this way in terms of the purpose of the commandments. Uh, and this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and ordinances that I am teaching you to do, so that you may, what? You may live and go in and possess the land that Adonai, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You must not add to the word that I'm commanding you or take away from it in order to keep the mitzvot. Those are the what? Commandments. Keep the commandments of Adonai, your God, that I am commanding you. Your eyes have seen what Adonai did at Baal Peor, for Adonai, your God, has destroyed from among you everyone who followed Baal Peor. That's uh, an idol. But you held tight to Adonai, your God, are alive today, all of you. So the Torah, it keeps us alive, and it empowers us to walk in our destiny, right? It's instructive. It's encouraging, right? See, just as Adonai, my God, commanded me, I have taught you statutes and ordinances to do in the land that you are about to enter to possess. This is Moses talking, or Moshe. You must keep and do them, for it is your what? Wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the people who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding nation, people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to them, so near to them, as Adonai our God is whenever we call on him? What great nation is there that has statutes and ordinances that are righteous like all of this Torah that I am sitting before you today? Okay? So we get a sense of the purpose of the Torah here. These are not just rules so that God can zap us if we don't get it. These are, these are what? Instructions for life, right? They're instructions for life and wisdom and righteousness. So here we understand that God gave his Torah, his commandments, as instructions out of love. Um, thank you, Gordon. And, and so they would reflect his goodness. God isn't a, a paper pusher, right? A stickler for the rules. He's an instructor. God is a teacher. He's a patient father. One of the best ways to translate Torah is the word instruction, right? It's not, the best way isn't always law, right? We can think of it as instruction. And where do we get instruction? From an instructor, from a teacher, out of love. The one who instructs us in the law is good and patient and gave us teaching so that we would be successful in all that we do because we belong to him. So now, we understand the purpose of the Torah as instruction. We can look at Yeshua's perhaps complex relationship with it. Just because he was the Messiah, the king, does that mean he was above the law? Did he do away with the Torah? Or could he? That brings us to this week's New Covenant Parsha and also a little bit of last week's New Covenant Parsha. And this is John uh, chapter 7 is where we're at, starting in verse 14. About halfway through the feast, Yeshua went up to the temple and began teaching. Then the Judean leaders, who, who are the Judean leaders in Greek? 
eudaios, right? Eudaioi in, uh, in plural. They were amazed, saying, how does this man know so much, having never been taught? Hmm. Yeshua answered, my teaching is not from me, but from him who sent me. Yeshua answered, I did one good work, and all of you are amazed, because Moses has given you circumcision, though it is not from Moses, but from the patriarchs. You circumcise a man on Shabbat. If a man receives circumcision on Shabbat so that the Torah of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry that I healed a man's whole body on Shabbat? Do not judge by appearance, but judge righteously. So this has to do with the specific authority of the Messiah, not to change the Torah, but to correctly interpret the Torah or the law. It's the authority of Calvin in Calvin Ball, but he's still adhering to the rules as they were passed down from Moses. Some rabbis within Judaism even speculated that when the Messiah came, he could conceivably alter the Torah because he would just have that level of authority. It would be within his authority to do so. But would he do it? Would he actually change the Torah? A little later in the same chapter, some people uh, notice this kind of uh, strange authority that Yeshua has and that he speaks with. And they make a speculation. So in verse 40, it says, when they heard these words, some of the crowd said, this man really is the prophet. He really is the prophet. What do they mean by the prophet? It doesn't say a prophet. It says the prophet. So who is this prophet? This is most likely the prophet predicted by Moses in Deuteronomy 18 and starting in verse 15. And this is what it says. Adonai, your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me, this is Moses talking, from your midst, from your brothers, as in within Israel, okay? To him you must listen. This is just what you asked of Adonai, your God, in Horeb on the day of the assembly when saying, I cannot continue to hear the voice of Adonai, my God, or see this great fire anymore, or I will die. Adonai said to me, they have done well in what they have spoken. I will raise up a prophet like you, as in a prophet like Moses, for them among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to them all that I command him. Now, whoever does not listen to my words that this prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. So most likely, the, the, the people in John, in the Gospel of John, were thinking of this prophet, and they're saying, they're speculating, maybe Yeshua is this one that was to come after Moses and be like Moses so that we should do what? Hear his voice. Hear his voice and listen. Does that sound familiar to us? Yeah, it sounds like our, our verse for the year. What, what, what was that again? Yeshua said in John 10.27, that's part of it, we got to start over, you're not doing it with me. Yeshua said in John 10.27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, right. Okay, so this is, this is what they mean when they speculate that Yeshua is the prophet. 
the prophet predicted by Moses. And of course, Yeshua is that predicted one. They're right. He has a special kind of authority, but it is used responsibly. It's not like Calvin, right? He uses it responsibly. And this is the authority of the Messiah, the authority of the Lord. To continue, we must define another term, and this is the word halacha or halacha. And uh, literally, it means uh, the way to walk. Raise your hand if you've heard of this term before, halacha. Okay, good. All right? So it means the way to walk, and it refers to uh, the interpretation or how you carry out a commandment in the Torah, uh, or which is, again, instruction and, and not just law. Yeshua has authority to make halakhic decisions on how to walk out the commandment because he is the prophet from Moses. But that's not the only reason he has authority. And now, beloved, prepare for the prepositions. Ooh. Ah, the prepositions, yes. Yeshua is under the law. Why? Because he is within Israel, and Israel is bound to the law to keep the Torah. Yeshua is within the law, within the Torah, because he is the vehicle, the mouthpiece, the prophet who explains and interprets the law. Yeshua is above the Torah because he has authority over it. So technically, he could break it in a sense, just as I technically could wear a hat in the building as a teacher. I'm not still bitter about that, but I mean, I technically could, right? I'm not, I don't have the same rules as the students, but um, uh, that's, I'm getting carried away, okay? So Yeshua is under the law, he is within the law, he is above the law, all three at the same time, because Yeshua is the law. He is the Torah. He is the Torah made flesh. The fullest revelation and expression of God's instruction and teaching is found in the person of Yeshua. Yeshua correctly interprets the law because of his position under and above and within. And finally, Yeshua is the resurrection life of the Torah because where the law leads to death because of our sinful nature, our sinful tendencies, Yeshua empowers the Torah with life to bring renewed life. Because of all of this, Yeshua can heal on Shabbat. Not only because he has authority to interpret the law correctly and say, this is what should be done on Shabbat, but also because he works within the halakha, of Judaism to explain it to us, logically. As the king and Messiah, he could say, look, God wants to heal people on Shabbat, so deal with it, right? But he doesn't do that. He gives an example. He says, you circumcise your sons on Shabbat to keep that commandment of the covenant, so therefore it makes sense that I can heal on Shabbat. There is a rabbinic principle of halakha that's at work here, and that's where two commandments appear to contradict each other. And when that happens, you apply the one with the greater moral weight. Restoration and covenant are more important 
than the minutia of what it means to rest on Shabbat. For example, um, the rabbinic writings in the Qumran scrolls, they give examples of this. So, which also shows that Yeshua is within rabbinic tradition. But um, they say, for example, to save a human life on Shabbat, you can break Shabbat. So if someone were sinking into quicksand, right, on Friday evening, you would never say, oh, sorry, you know, the sun went down, Uh, I wish I could help, try to grab that branch, see if you can stretch, right? We would never say that, right? And this is called pekuach, try that, pekuach, nefesh. And nefesh is life or soul, right? It's breaking Shabbat to save a life. And the rabbis say, and I think Yeshua would say also, as the rabbi, that this is preferable. So Yeshua walks a fine line between authority over the law and working within the Jewish halakha of the law, but he's able to do both because he's just that good. This is why he can use the, you have heard this, but I tell you this model. He's not doing away with the first part, but he's working within the law to bring the correct interpretation. So this is from Matthew 5, um, verse 27 and 28. Yeshua says this, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that everyone who looks upon a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Here Yeshua is not dismissing the law, but he's bringing it to its fullest meaning. The intention is not for us to merely be faithful to our spouses in our actions, but also to be faithful to our spouse in our hearts and in our minds. It's kind of a higher level of Torah. Now, I understand, I know, you might be thinking, David, this is all well and good. I understand that the Torah is not just rules and regulations, but rather it's a a loving example of instruction from God. And I understand that Yeshua had the authority, in a sense, to break the Torah, but he used that authority to work within the confines of Judaism to give the Torah its fullest meaning. And I understand that Yeshua has this authority because he is the prophet predicted by Moses to whom we should listen because he embodies the Torah. He is the law. I understand that God does not play Calvin ball with us through Yeshua, that there is a moral foundation of love and instruction and preservation of life behind, underneath the commandments which Yeshua teaches in a, with a special kind of authority because he is the Messiah. But you might also be thinking, so new, right? So what does this mean for me? And to that I say, good question. I, a few minutes ago, I, I brought up our verse for the year, right? What does that mean? It means that we're following after Messiah. So are we following after Yeshua in this context with the Torah? Are his priorities our priorities? If Yeshua says that the minutia of the rules is important, but it's not as important as the ethic underneath them, then are we in agreement with that? Are we hearing him? 
Are we looking not just for rest on Shabbat, but for restoration and healing on Shabbat? Are we just following rules, right? Are we, are we going through the motions, right? Or are we pursuing the living God, the loving instructor? There is more to the Torah than just rules. There is justice. There's shalom, peace. There's reconciliation. Reconciliation not only back to God, but with each other. There is purity and intimacy and wholeness. So when we hear a commandment, who do we picture on the other end? Is the source of the commandment a pencil-pushing, tyrannical safety patroller shouting correction? Take off your hat. Because if so, we must recognize that's not the character of God. That's not the God of Israel. That's not the God of Scripture. On the other end of the command, there is a personal, loving father and teacher who instructs us, who draws us near, and teaches us his ways. God wants us to know his Torah, but more than that, he wants us to know him. Remember, you can't say restorative without Torah, right? He puts the Torah in restorative. I thought of that this morning. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to close from the prophet Hosea. This is uh, chapter 11. And this is God speaking over Israel. But I'd like us to, to image this, that God is speaking to us personally in this, in this section, whatever he wants to say. When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. They called out to them, but they departed from their presence. They kept sacrificing to the Baalim and burning incense up to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them on in my arms, but they never acknowledged that I had healed them. With human cords, I was drawing them with bonds of love, and I became to them as one lifting a yoke from their jaws. I bent down to them and fed them. Sounds like a shepherd, teacher, doesn't it? He will not return to the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian will be his king, because they refused to return. So a sword will fall on his cities and destroy and devour his gate bars because of their own counsels. So my people are bent on turning from me. Although they are being called upwards, none will rise up. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you as Zeboim? My heart is turning over Within me, my compassions are kindled. I will not vent my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in the midst of you, and I will not come in fury. They will walk after Adonai. He will roar like a lion. Indeed, he will roar, and the children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like a bird out of Egypt, like a dove 
out of the land of Assyria, and I will settle them in their houses. It is a declaration of Adonai. Let's pray. Abba, you're a good father to us, and you gave us a lot in your Torah. And a lot, a lot of it is rules, and a lot of it is um, instruction, but you're behind it. You're underneath it, and you're above it. And you want us to see your Father's heart for us, and that's why you gave us your Torah. And that's why you sent us the living Torah, Yeshua the Messiah, because you wanted to reconcile us back to you. And you're a God that reaches out. You don't just bellow orders and punish us when we make mistakes. You teach us. You correct us. Sometimes that hurts, Lord. But you're a loving Father, and we, we must remember that. We must keep that in mind, who you are. So help us, Lord. Help us to, to know your, your covenantal, restorative love for us, and the fullness of which is in the person of Yeshua, And help us to follow your commandments, not out of obligation or fear of punishment, but because of your love and our allegiance to you, who rescued us from the slavery of Egypt, who rescued us from the slavery of sin in Yeshua the Messiah, who restored us back to you, and who is going to continue to restore us on this side of the kingdom.